0: This morning I want to talk to you about the conversion of St. Paul uh, using the reading from Acts 9 as our text. The conversion of Paul is the most cited event in the New Testament, other than certain incidents from our Lord's life. So it behooves us to examine this conversion in some detail, which I want to do, and then I want to say a few words about what I call the anatomy of conversion. First of all, the event itself. Saul, Saul is he was known then, he will be renamed Paul. Saul is heading to Damascus in Syria. He's going there to search for those who have started to follow the way of Jesus. And he's going there as a man full of zealous anger, breathing threats and murder against the followers of Jesus. But as you know on the way to damascus paul gets stopped in his tracks as it were stopped by a heavenly vision first of all there's this light that suddenly burst onto the scene a light that was brighter than the hot middle eastern midday sun a light that drives paul and his companions to the ground Then there is the vision itself. In the midst of the vision, someone is present to Saul. Then there's this voice, which Saul's traveling companions also hear, a voice speaking in Hebrew to Saul, saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, this is a very telling question. Uh, For one thing, it indicates that what's happening here is not an encounter with some kind of impersonal numinous force this voice calls saul by name he knows saul you expect that the next words that would come from the voice would be words of judgment after all saul's been out there killing christians but what comes next is a question why why a question tinged with sadness why are you doing this and then the voice identifies the issue. Why are you persecuting me? And suddenly, Saul sees himself for who he really is. He thought he was doing uh, the will of God, defending God. Uh, But it turns out that he was doing exactly the opposite. He was on the wrong side of of the issue. He was persecuting God's people. He was, in fact, killing them. He was violating the Sixth Commandment. This is is zeal gone amok. By the single question, which was just the right question for Saul, Saul's view of himself is shattered. He comes to see who he truly is the question ends, why are you persecuting me? Who is this mysterious me? Is it an angel Saul doesn't know? So he asks, uh, who are you, Lord? And notice the deference uh, in his voice, the submission. Lord, whoever this is, he is to be obeyed. And the answer, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. The risen Lord is present to Paul. Well the story continues Jesus tells Saul to get up and go into Damascus where he will meet somebody who will tell him what to do and as Saul rises from the ground he discovers that he's been blinded by this light that has surrounded him and mean in the meantime Jesus appears to a, one of his followers Ananias also in a vision and he instructs Ananias to find Saul of Tarsus in Damascus which did not please Ananias at all. Uh, he is frightened of Saul. Saul's reputation has preceded him to Damascus. But Jesus reassures Ananias that he has great plans for Saul. And when Ananias does, in fact, find Saul, he greets him as Brother Saul. Isn't that amazing, amazing acceptance of the one-time persecutor? ananias lays hands on saul saul's sight is restored he introduces saul to other believers in damascus saul gets baptized and a few days later he's out in the open in damascus in the synagogues where he was going in the first place but now he's not there to sniff out followers of the way he's there to preach the way to proclaim that jesus is indeed the son of god And all this, all this change in Saul, Paul, happens, as it were, in a flash. There's a vision, a single question, and his life is transformed. And so Paul's sudden conversion experience becomes the paradigm for conversion in the church thereafter. Let me step back from Paul's particular conversion to look at conversion itself i have four things that i want to say first thing i want to say is that conversion is not a christian experience not even a religious experience conversion is a human experience and by this i mean that god has created human beings in such a way that we're capable of radical transformation which is really quite remarkable when you think about it we're not locked into a given set of patterns we can grow, we can change, we can become new, renewed, different, better. We're unlike any other species on this planet. A a bear, for example, is always a bear. A bear can't shed its bearish behavior, but human beings are different. We're capable of conversion. This is an astonishing gift from God. This being the case, second thing I want to say is that if conversion is a psychological capability built into all human beings, as a result, we can be converted to many different things. The conversion mechanism can be triggered by different inputs. And so, for example, the author Arthur Kessler, in his autobiography, Arrow in the Blue, uh, describes his conversion experience and the language he uses, the experience he has is, is very familiar to us as we hear about religious experiences. Uh, Katie talked about this last week. I'm talking about it uh, this week. Except that what Kessler uh, was talking about was being converted from capitalism to communism. Same mechanism, different outcome that which distinguishes christian conversion from other conversions and this is the third thing i want to say that which disting- distinguishes christian conversion is a certain kind of turning it's the content of the turning that makes all the difference the key question is from what to what or to whom have you turned if the answer is it's from walking away from god and turning now to walking towards God and following the way of Jesus, this is Christian conversion. So conversion really is all about turning, turning around. But the nature of that turning, be it quick or slow, dramatic or mundane, doesn't really matter. It's the outcome that matters, which is becoming unconscious or aware that we are indeed followers of Jesus. And this is the final thing that I want to talk about the different ways in which people experience conversion. For Paul, the turning was quick. It seemed to take place in an instance. One moment he's a fire-breathing Pharisee, and the next moment an apostle of Jesus. But for most people, conversion is not an event like that which happened to Paul, it's a process that unfolds over time. In fact, research indicates that only about 15% of Christians have had a conversion like Paul's, a punctiliar event in point in time. And of course, one of the 15% who had that kind of conversion is our own St. Augustine. Uh, I think you remember the story, it's uh, 386. Aurelius Augustine is professor of rhetoric in Milan. He's 31 years old, and he's sitting in the garden of a friend weeping. He wants to begin a new life as a follower of Jesus, but he doesn't know how. He hears a child chanting in the next garden, Tolelege, Tolelege, pick it up and read, pick it up and read. And Augustine does that very thing lying next to him on the bench as his friend's copy of the book of Romans and it's open to Romans chapter 13. Uh, and he, he starts reading at verse 13, reads verses 13 and 14. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling in drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Now remember, Augustine is struggling with his sensuous lifestyle. He's, he's the one who prayed, Lord, make me chaste, but not yet. Uh, so, and after Augustine read these words, and I quote, He says, no further could I read or had I any need. Instantly at the end of the sentence, a clear light flooded my heart and all the darkness of doubt vanished away. A clear light flooded my heart. There's that light again, the light that stopped Paul in his tracks, the light uh, which flowed out of Malcolm's closet in the story that Katie told us last week. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have an experience like that? (laughs) I'd like that. Unfortunately, I'm not one of the 15% who gets that kind of experience for conversion. Another 15% of Christian people have had a conversion that does have a date attached to it, but it's without the emotion and without a mystical experience driving it. Uh, it It's like my friend Pat in high school. I was a... attending a Baptist church back then first church I'd ever been in in my life and as some of you know Baptists often at the end of sermons will give invitations to come forward and receive Jesus know that language and Pat had been part of our youth group for a while but she'd never gone forward to receive Jesus so she picked a date when she's going to do this and then invited her friends and her family to come to that particular service to watch her go forward and become a Christian she had a date she had a time Uh, this marked her conversion but for most people the 70% conversion is a process not an event a process that takes place in in different kinds of ways some people have what's called an awakening these are, are are people who realize there was a time in the past when they were not followers of Jesus didn't believe in God but but now they do believe in God they do follow Jesus but they're hard put to trace the arc from one experience to the other experience from unbelief to belief in Jesus conversion by awakening then there's conversion by stages different events fit together over time and produce conversion this was my experience of conversion It was also the experience of c.s lewis Um, his conversion had three distinct stages to it as he writes about this in his autobiography part one occurred while he was riding on top of a bus he became aware he was holding at bay what he had, had come to call absolute spirit and he said yes to that spirit And it felt, he later wrote, as if I were a man of snow, at long last beginning to melt. The melting was starting in my back, drip, drip, and presently trickle, trickle. I rather dislike the feeling, he said. (laughs) During that short bus ride, C.S. Lewis ceased being an atheist. Uh, Part two uh, took place some months later in his rooms at uh, Maudlin College, where, uh, as he writes, night after night feeling whenever my mind lifted even for a second from my work the steady unrelenting approach of him whom i so earnestly desired not to meet (laughs) that which i greatly feared has last come upon me in the trinity term of 1929 i gave in admitted that god was god and knelt and prayed perhaps that nice the most dejected and reluctant convert in all of england (laughs) this was his conversion to theism the third and final part of his conversion by stages uh, uh, took place uh, later he writes i know very well when but hardly how the final step was taken i was uh, driven to whipsnade one sunny morning when we set out i did not believe that jesus christ is the son of god and when we reached the zoo i did It was like a man, after long sleep, still lying motionless in bed, becomes aware that now he's fully awake. Conversion by stages. Then there's something called unconscious conversion. I love this, unconscious conversion is reserved for people who grew up in the church can't remember ever not loving Jesus. Uh, always been followers of Jesus despite lapses here here and there. And so this whole discussion of conversion strikes them as really rather odd. <laughs> uh, they don't understand. And finally there are those who haven't yet made up their minds about God, much less about uh, Jesus. Are still very much on the pilgrimage of faith and I'm so glad that in our weekly invitation at the Eucharist, we say that wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're welcome at Christ's table. Uh, that's the kind of church that we are. So, this is conversion. Now we don't talk much about conversion in mainline churches like ours uh, do we probably because the term has been hijacked these days made into a kind of shibboleth a badge of identity by which certain groups they think think that they can figure out who's in and who's out with God Uh, if you have a certain kind of conversion experience you're okay with God if you don't you're in big trouble And they go around and trying to get people to believe as they do and so the whole idea of conversion has become corrupted in our day and age but the fact is we all need to be converted but not just once we need to be converted every day because this is what the Jesus way is all about constant openness to growth and change constant turning around in how we think and how we act and how we feel, constant choosing the better way, the the Jesus way. And so may that be so for us. May our conversion, however it comes, whenever it comes, be that which transforms us into followers of Jesus Christ. Amen.